praise the Lord. Well, this is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be exceedingly glad in it. <clears throat> well, we'll praise God for 2024. Amen. 2024. Thank God for everything that He's done for us in 2023. But we are expecting God to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask to think even more so in 2024. Amen. I've heard some say that 2024 is a year of more. And I'm like, I'm in agreement with that. Amen. At least in my life, more of the blessings of God being in my life. Amen. Now, <clears throat> let me uh, say this at the onset as well. On this coming Wednesday, we'll be having our midweek Bible study on Wednesday nights uh, going forward in the year 2024. Wednesday night Bible studies uh, on this year. Uh, we concluded our, uh, what should be our last uh, midweek Bible study on Thursday nights uh, this past Thursday, but I'm asking that you would prepare to make that adjustment for our midweek Bible studies to be, in fact, in the midweek on this coming year. Amen. So this Wednesday, we will begin having our Bible studies at that time. Uh, additionally, I want to uh, indicate again on Friday night, we'll be having our first corporate prayer uh, from the hour of seven to eight o'clock corporate prayer on this coming Friday from 7 to 8 as we prepare for a lot of the things that I believe God has assigned us to do this year. One of the things that we are assigned to do is definitely minister to married folks, our married couples and everything. So we are going to uh, have a marriage seminar that will take place. We'll announce that date uh, soon, but it will be in the month of February, likely before Valentine's Day. And so we're praying and being prepared for those things uh, as well. We will be ministering additionally this year to our singles. Amen. Our singles as well on this year. Amen. Uh, we're working out some of the details in regards to that, but we are going to begin just ministering in varying places in various ways on this year. Amen. So we solicit your prayers in regards to that. <clears throat> Amen. Last but definitely not least, in uh, concert with uh, corporate prayer on Friday nights, we are asking that all of our members and partners would be with us in uh, fasting uh, specifically the Daniel fast if you're uh, you don't have any medical issues that would restrict you from being able to do so uh, we're asking that you would fast with us with the specifically the Daniel fast on uh, Fridays one of the reasons why we are indicating the Daniel fast is because most of us have to work during the day and I don't want a situation that you know you're passing out amen why you at work I remember a couple years ago, we had a total fast, and man, I, I went to work, and my eyes were rolling back, <laughs> and I was, you know, what's wrong with you? I just, just and I, I was like, Lord, I need to be praying, but I just, I'm just so tired, Jesus. And to this day, from that day to this, I, I, I don't know what I got out of that fast other than my hunger and my tiredness. And I understood some things about it looking back that, you know, when you have a time of a total fast, you really need to have some time off so that you can kind of dedicate that time specifically to prayer and spending time with God. 
And and because we're not currently in a position where we are able to do that, we're asking for you to do the Daniel fast, which is a moderation in foods that are more specific to those things that are grown, i.e. lettuce and tomatoes and cucumbers and, and fruit and fresh and things of the vine, if you will. Somebody say, does that mean uh, wine? No, I'm not talking about wine. Amen. Praise the Lord. I got to be clear on some of these things. Uh, but things in those regards. Because just like Daniel, when you get off the Daniel fast, you ought to be feeling a little bit better. Your, your, your palate should be a little bit more cleansed uh, than at uh, maybe on Thursday night. Amen. So we're going to uh, ask you to be in agreement in regards to that with your uh, adjustments on Friday nights. And again, uh, we will uh, conclude that Friday with corporate prayer. Amen. That's what we're asking for for the month of January. And one last thing of the last of the last is that, of course, we all know that we're reading the book of Proverbs. Everybody. I say everybody's reading Proverbs. You find a translation that you understand and that speaks to you and you find that and read the book of Proverbs. As I said before and I say again, that may mean reading, you know, the King James for something. But it also may mean reading maybe the message translation, uh, the new living translation, the new international translation. The passion, I think, does have the book of Proverbs translated. These are all good translations uh, for you to read 31 days, 31 uh, books, um, 31 chapters, I'm sorry. All of, yes, any, well, I don't know about the action Bible, no, I didn't, didn't go that far. But, you know, the one that you can find on your level that you can understand, you know, one of the things I do, particularly in the month of January, is I read multiples as I usually do in general. But there's different ways of saying the same thing. And so if you read in the message translation, it talks a lot of times the way we talk, as opposed to the King James Version of the Bible that has a lot to do with talking in the more traditional format. <clears throat> That doesn't mean that the King James Version of the Bible or the Message Bible is uh, one is uh, superior to the other. It just simply means that they're different translations of the same Hebrew words. Amen. It's part of the reason why even in the teachings that we do here at the training center, you oftentimes hear me tell you what the Hebrew and the Greek word means. Because you can have five words, but uh, the new, uh, the King James Version only translates it as one word. And it's important that we begin to understand that, that that's exactly what it means. They translated and they chose this word, but these other three words could also fit into this actual passage of scripture. And so that's how you get the varying translations. Because these group of translators decided that, okay, this word fits better here. Doesn't mean one's superior or inferior to the other. Does that all make sense? Didn't mean to have a theological conversation this morning but I think sometimes I need to have uh, having said say, say some of these things for the purposes of clarity because we live uh, particularly in this region in a very King James oriented uh, region and so and there's sometimes what begins to happen is we begin to think that the King James version of the Bible is superior to the New Living Translation or to the uh, New International uh, version of the Bible and in reality not, one is not superior over the other arguably one may be slightly but not particularly are you understand what I'm saying to you so for the book of Proverbs find the translation that speaks to you 
and I'm using the word translation on purpose. We'll talk about that more in detail in during the midweek. But find the translation that speaks the best to you uh, for this particular assignment. Amen. And we will continue down our journey of making our way through the Bible this year. And I'll announce the uh, next corresponding books as we go through the uh, months after we've been doing so. I say all that to say this. Look, if you will, at First Kings chapter number three and verse number nine out of the New International Version of the Bible. First Kings chapter number three. First Kings chapter number three and verse nine. I'm going to be reading out of the New International Version of the Bible. This is where we will find our text for this morning. First Kings chapter number three and verse number nine. Do you have it? Scripture says this. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? This is Solomon. Once again, he's praying. He just got into a position for promotion. And he's trying to determine, how am I supposed to lead this great people? How am I supposed to do this? My dad was a great king, but he had his issues. And now here I am taking the position of leadership and I need to understand how to do this. And so God comes to him and he says, what is it in fact that you want? I will grant you what your heart's desire is. And Solomon contemplating, Solomon thinking about uh, what he would need for his success in leadership. He says, God, so give your servant a discerning heart. To govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. A discerning heart to distinguish between right and wrong. Now we said as well that the traditional King James uses the term an understanding heart. An understanding heart. Understanding heart is one way to translate that Hebrew word, but a discerning heart is another way to translate that same Hebrew word. There are three distinctive uh, expansions in regards to this particular Hebrew word, and we've said this in the past, that it is the word also means to understand, it means to discern, it also means to hear. So when he says, give your servant a discerning heart, he is also saying, give your servant a heart that hears. Give your servant a heart that hears or that perceives by the ear. Give your servant a heart with attention and interest. Give your servant a heart of understanding varying languages. Give your servant a heart of, 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 uh, to hear concerning. Another category of this same Hebrew word also means to listen. Give your servant the ability to listen and to heed. Give your heart, give me a heart that is in agreement with your will. Give me a heart that is that will grant the request of heaven, if you will. It also means, dare I say, give your servant a heart that would be obedient and obey you, God. All of this is, in, is, is encompassed within this, this one Hebrew word. Give your servant a discerning or an understanding heart. And we said that I believe that at least for this body, that this year is the year of discernment. The year of discernment. Where this is exactly where our prayer needs to be. Asking God, give me a discerning 
heart. It might be a situation where you're in a different grade. It might be a situation where you have something going on in your family. It might be something in which you have done something going on at work. And I believe that what we need to do, what we're the position that we need to be in is God, give your servant, give us, dear God, a discerning heart, a heart that will hear, a heart that will listen to you, and a heart indeed that will obey. Now, the word discernment, as we've indicated to you in the past, what does this in fact mean? The word discernment in the Old Testament means a heart that is that has the capacity or the ability to consider. A heart that has the capacity or the ability to consider, dare I say, a heart that understands. A heart that understands. A lot of stuff that you might not understand. A lot of stuff that you may. I, mean, I, I talked about this on uh, on Thursday night, and I want to make reference again tonight. I remember last year, Vincent took me out to the NASCAR race. Now I had a bias for this race for a long time, as I didn't really think honestly this was something that black people did. I found out some things going in and being involved with this race. One of the things I discovered was that one, black people are. Heavily involved with NASCAR, from driving to uh, being fans, but I had to find that out by being involved with it. Next thing I begin to discover as well is, you know, it's not just a bunch of cars going around and around, but there's some order and there's some distinction to it. And it has to do, it has a lot to do with, you know, the complexities of how the engines are placed together. It has a lot to do with how, I think, how they qualify. So the way they line up has something to do with that. It has a lot to do with the number of laps that they do. There's so many integral parts involved with this particular sport that I knew nothing about. So the difference between before I went to the race versus after I went to the race and it was explained is I have now gained this area of understanding. I can consider the next time I see NASCAR, the next time I see a race, I can consider some things. I can understand some things based on the applied wisdom that is within my life. So what is discernment? Once again, it is to consider. It is to understand. In the New Testament, it, it comes from varying uh, Greek words, which means to separate or discriminate. To separate or discriminate, discriminate. It means also to learn by discriminating. It means to determine or decide. So, to discern means I look at something and I'm making some qualified decisions in regards to it. I am examining something and I am discriminating, which means I am separating out this from that so I can see something a little bit differently. Webster, as we've said before, literally defines it this way. It is the quality of being able to grasp or comprehend what is obscure. The quality of being able to grasp or comprehend what is obscure. It is the act of perceiving the act of perceiving. And I'm using this definition once again on this morning. It's important that we understand it's the act of perceiving, but it's not necessarily always right and wrong. As Spurgeon tells us, discernment is not a matter of simply telling the difference between right and wrong, but rather telling the difference between right and almost right. That's what it's going to look like this year. Right and almost right. 
There are things that can happen within your life. It doesn't necessarily mean this other option is wrong. In a general state. It might mean that it's wrong for you. It might even be a situation within your life where you have one perspective, someone else has another perspective, and you've got to come together so that you put both perspectives together so that you can accurately discern the truth. Discernment is one of those interesting things because it is where we have to have accurate perception. Does that make sense? Accurate perception of the truth as opposed to being lifted up in pride and saying my way is what it is and you need to sit down and shut up. Accurate perception where things may not always seem to be as clear as you might think, you know. If you say, all right, you know, Reverend, uh, you know, should you go down here and shoot somebody? Well, we say, well, that's wrong. There's a right and wrong. Should I go out here and tell a bunch of lies? No, there's a right and there's a wrong. To tell a bunch of lies, that's a lie. It, it, that's wrong. But now in another situation where I get a job offered to me and I'm trying to determine whether or not I am to stay on this job or I'm to take that job. Now, both of them could be right for me in the sense that I'm qualified for both jobs. Both of them could be a situation where, yeah, this is a great opportunity, but there's also a great opportunity if I stay where I am. Now I got to determine what's the best situation going forward. Am I supposed to do this or am I supposed to do right? This over here. I remember a couple years ago, that's exactly where I was. I had offers on the table. I could stay in my current position. My current position wasn't a problem. I liked the people. I liked the job that I was doing. And, and it wasn't the, the biggest issue I was having was that I wanted some more money. But I was offered at this time, I put out some applications. I was offered another job for this another city at this, at this time. And I went down there and I, and I interviewed for this job. And I, and I was like, all right, you know, listen to what they had to say. And I, I liked some of the stuff. There were some things I didn't like, some things I did like. And as, as I thought about it and thought about it, I said, I think I'm going to take the job. And then notice what I said. I think I'm going to take the job. And so they called up and they made me an offer. I said, yes, I think I'm going to take the job. But the whole time I didn't have any peace about the job. But I'm thinking, but Lord, it pays more. I would be running the department. It's something where I could call my own shots, you know. So what's wrong with this? And I didn't get any peace about it. My current job wasn't a bad situation because I understand sometimes it makes it a lot easier and sometimes a lot harder when you're in a bad situation and you really want to exit. But my situation wasn't a bad situation. The people there, well, I was, it was easy to get along with. I wanted some more money, but I understood there were some flexibilities that I had in my current position that I wouldn't have over there. But I thought it was a better opportunity over there. But as I begin to pray about it and pray about it and seek God concerning the other opportunity as opposed to staying, I found out through discerning the will of God that his will was for me to stay put. Not go over there. Now, again, would he have struck me down if I went to the other city? No. Would things fall off and I just would have felt like I was under curse if I went over there? Not necessarily. But see, that's where it becomes interesting because being outside of the will of God doesn't necessarily feel like you always think it will. 
It doesn't always mean that the car is going to be in an accident. It doesn't mean that you're going to be in the hospital. It doesn't mean all of these things. It does mean that your peace will be disturbed because you said no where he was telling you to say yes over here. The peace of God operating in your life is so important, or at least it should be so important to you, that where he tells you to go, that's where you go. Because you will be at your most impact in the will of God and not doing side journeys. And when you decide to get outside of the will of God, you're always going to be left with this. I wonder what would have happened if I did what he said for me to do. It is, it is the guilt. It's the thing that rides with you for multiple years where you, you're like, I, I remember 20 years ago. I remember 10 years ago that I felt like he told me to do this and I did this and, and I had some levels of success. But there's always this question on the inside of me as to whether or not my life would be different had I said yes. Discernment. Discernment. It has everything to do with right and almost right. Discerning what's good for you may not be good for me. It is seeing not just the right and the wrong, but discerning the perfect will of God, in fact, for your life. And that's what this year is about. Now, we've also indicated to you there are two types of discernment. And we understand this within the scripture. That 1 Corinthians talks about a gift of discerning of spirits. And specifically, he's talking about a time where the Holy Spirit or God himself will, will unveil, reveal, he'll uncover so that you're able to see into the realm of the Spirit. It's where you're able to discern the spirits that are in the realm of the Spirit, if you will. There are varying places within the scripture where 2 Kings, the Bible talks about, Elisha says, open his eyes so that he might be able to see. And <clears throat> Gehazi, he steps up on the mountaintop and, and his eyes are open and he sees the vast amount of angels that were always present, but he didn't have the ability to perceive it. That's singing to the realm of the spirit. I oftentimes like to say it like this. If God opened your eyes to be able to see the angels around you right now, it will startle half of you in this room. How many angels are around you all the time? Because the Bible tells us that the angels of God are encamped about the righteous. And if you ever got into a position where you had faith for this fourth dimension, as some are calling it today, then you would begin to move out of an area of fear. No weapon informed against me shall prosper because I'm not here by myself. It physically looks like I'm by myself, but in reality, I have a whole mass of angels that walk through the door, that step with me at the same time I stepped in. That's what it means to see into the realm of the spirit. When God opens your eyes, Isaiah 6 and 1, this is King Uzziah. He says, I saw the Lord high and exalted and seated on the throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. So King Isaiah, he looked and he was able to see over into the realm of the spirit and he saw the king of kings and the Lord of lords sitting high on the throne of grace. This is what it means in regards to a discerning of spirits as a gift of the spirit. Now, I say all this for a reason. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 and verse 10 doesn't require anything from you. You don't have 
to be spiritually mature for the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation. It does not require that. All it requires is that you yield to the Holy Spirit so he can work through you. This is the reason why, you know, some have dreams, they have visions, they have trances. And, and they didn't conjure any of these things up. It's God giving you an ability to see into this realm. That is one form or fashion of discerning. But now, there is this other area that we are tasked to deal with, which has more to do with you growing up. Spiritual maturity spiritual maturity. It is whereby everybody in the kingdom has access to this area of discernment. It's not something that happens through it being dropped on you. It's something that happens because you say, God, I want to discern. God, you sit in the same position like Solomon. God, give to your servant a discerning heart. This does not happen automatically. It comes about through this area of request. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 2 once again. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. And this is where we will pick up from this past midweek. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. You got it? Anybody want to do some reading this morning? Mm-hmm. Hmm? 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Let's look at the context. 1 Corinthians is a very interesting passage of scripture because it follows chapter number 1, of course. Chapter number 1, Paul is, is talking or he's writing to the church of Corinth. They got into a position where they are starting to really get full of themselves and compare themselves amongst each other. And they say, all right, you know, you know, Paul is the greatest preacher. No, 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 no. Peter, he's the greatest preacher. No, no, we got this bad boy, man. He can do it. He can preach. He's, he's this guy named Apollos. He came from Africa, northern Africa. And I believe Apollos was coming in there doing all the stuff we used to. Hey, God said, ha, and all of these kind of things. And they said, man, Apollos, he's the greatest. And Paul is writing a letter of correction to this church of Corinth. Because he's saying, all right, we need to understand some things about ministry gifts. Paul, in fact, says, I'm glad I ain't bad to have half of y'all up in here because it's not about me. And so when we get into 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, he begins talking about his speech in verse number 4. He says, my speech and my words or my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power. That, verse 5, your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. He says, I didn't come to impress. I didn't come uh, with enticing words of man's wisdom or with eloquencies. He says, I came with the power of God in demonstration so that your faith would not be in my eloquence. My, your faith would not be in my oratorical, oratorical skills, but that your faith would be in the power of God. He says, verse number 7, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. And he says, verse number 8, Which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they had known, for had they known it, 
they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. In other words, he says, we're speaking the wisdom of God that God has given, that God only grants to certain folks, including, uh, this means that there are certain, that the, the devil himself didn't have this kind of wisdom in operation in his life. Because if the devil knew what God was doing in the plan of redemption, ain't no way in the world, Paul is saying, that he would have put the king of glory on that cross. But he didn't have a clue what was going on. Paul is saying that the words that we are ministering to you have a different dimension to it. This is, this is what makes the difference between what I'm doing right now and it speaks you may hear tomorrow or the next day. When ministers minister the word of God, we are ministering the word of God that's being backed by the Holy Spirit. So at the same time that we are ministering what thus saith the Lord from the Holy Writ, the Holy Spirit is also ministering to you individually and personally on your level certain things and certain issues and showing how these all things fit together. You don't get this kind of thing all the time maybe when the president is talking. You don't get this all the time when a principal is talking. This happens when the ministry of the word is going forth. Paul is saying, watch this. He says, <clears throat> verse number 10, But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all the things, yea, the deep things of God. He says, verse number 11, I want to let me read this out of the uh, New Living Translation. Verse number 11 is interesting. I love it how it says it here. It says, no one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. So he says, you know, no one knows really what's going on on the inside of you except you. In the same manner, no one knows what's going on on the inside of God except God or his spirit. But now notice what he says. Verse number 12. And we have received God's spirit. And we need to stop there. He, so he says, but the key, the difference is you've received God's spirit. He says, not the world's spirit. So he says the difference between the born again believer is that you have received God's spirit and not the spirit of this world. He says, why did you receive it? So that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. The new King James Version of the Bible says this, not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us. So the spirit of God on the inside of you gives you the ability to comprehend those things that God has given you. This is the reason why when we talk about the promises of God, it resonates with your spirit because the spirit of God on the inside says, yeah, you know, that, that's what prepared for you. That's prepared for you. He says, as he's shepherding you, he says, all right, that's that's for you. The peace of God, that's for you. The prosperity of God, that's for you. The health of God, that's for you. Because the spirit of God is testifying on the inside of you what has been freely given unto you. Verse number 13, watch this. These things we speak not in the words of man's wisdom. But which the Holy Spirit teaches. So he says, Paul is going back to his original premise. He says, the things that we are saying to you are not based from the position of man's wisdom or man's intellect. But that which the Holy Spirit gives us or he teaches us. Watch this, comparing spiritual things with spiritual 
The uh, Amplified says, combining and interpreting spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Then he goes on and he says, verse number 14, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man. The uh, New Living says, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It sounds, it all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. People that don't know your God don't understand why in the world you go to church. People that don't know your God don't understand why you read the same Bible with the same scriptures in it and you get something seemingly different every single time. When they look at it, they're like, but it's the same words. This is foolishness to them because they don't have the spirit of God on the inside of them. The Spirit of God on the inside of you gives you the ability to discern and interpret. It gives you the ability to compare spiritual thoughts and spiritual words. When you don't have the Spirit of God on the inside of you, this all this whole practice seems silly. Let's keep going. He says, watch this, verse 15. But who is spiritual judges all things. But he who is spiritual, I'm sorry, judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged of no one. The expanded version of the Bible says it like this. The spiritual person is able to discern, assess all things. The spiritual person. Now, Paul, if you're saying that the spiritual person has the ability to judge or assess or discern all things. It must be the one that is not spiritual does not have this same ability. They don't have this capacity to be able to judge, discern, or assess. Let's keep going. I'm going somewhere with this. Spiritual people, he says, out of the classic amplified version of the Bible says, but the spiritual man tries all things. He examines, investigates, inquires into, questions, and discerns all things. The spiritual man. He says examines. That means he looks at it. He tests it out. The spiritual man investigates. This is the reason why you shouldn't take everything at face value. Find out what the word of God says. Because this is in fact being spiritual. This will also keep you out of spiritual abuse. Because when you get into the word of God and pastor or bishop or apostle is saying something sideways of the word of God. The spiritual man looks and says, all right, let me go investigate whether or not God said that. This will keep you out of all kind of foolishness that you see going on in the body of Christ. Should we be dancing like this at church? Well, let's see. Is that a psalm, hymn, or spiritual song? Or is that a rap song that just came off that we thought was a good idea and we want to slap God's name on it? The spiritual person investigates. The spiritual person, dare I use the term, he says, inquires into. The spiritual person, this none of this stuff seems spiritual, but Paul says the spiritual person is going to ask some questions. Where did you get that reverend? Where did you get this? Where, do, where is this? Can you give me page in scripture? Even if an angel shows up and starts talking to you, you know, it's okay for you to say, where is that in the Bible? <laughs> you know, the angel won't be offended. But people that are trying to manipulate you will. 
What you mean? What you, what you, you don't, you don't what, why, why are you offended? The spiritual person examines, investigates, inquires into questions, discerns, if I say, like uh, the Amplified says, all things. Yet he himself, he says he himself, is judged of no one. In other words, you're not being judged because of the fact you asked a question. Growing up in the church, this is one of the things that I discovered. Because I used to ask a bunch of questions. I was that guy in Sunday school, but my heart was, 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 was pure. I wasn't trying to embarrass the teacher. I wasn't trying to put anybody on the spot. I wasn't trying to do any of these things. I just wanted to know because I was newly born again, and I wanted to understand. So I began asking questions. What does this mean? Where does that come from? I need to understand this part. If this is that, then why is this here? I wanted to know. This is a heart that God gives us. When the more spiritual you are, the more you're going to begin asking questions. And the more you begin asking these spiritual questions, God doesn't have a problem with the questions you ask. In fact, that's the reason why the Bible tells us he's giving you pastors to feed you with knowledge and understanding. To take these scriptures and break them down so that you can eat of them and understand them. Let's finish this out really quick. Verse 16. He says, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. Now, interesting enough, then Paul begins and he talks about this and he sets it up and he says, all right, the spiritual person has the ability to sift out these things. They're able to compare and interpret spiritual words and spiritual thoughts. But notice what he says as he continues his thought into chapter number three. He says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people. So after he gets done talking about the fact, let me show you what spiritual people look like. Let me explain why I couldn't talk to y'all this way. He says, I couldn't talk to you as spiritual people, but as carnal, as babes in Christ. He says, verse number two, I fed you with milk and not solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you're still not able. Why, Paul, are they still not able? He says, verse three, for you are still carnal, for where there is envy, strife, divisions among you, you are not, are you, he says, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? So he begins his talk in regards to his or his ministry talking about this dissension within this church. How they are saying I'm of Apollos. I am of Peter. I'm of Paul. And he begins to talk about how this is wrong. And then he says alright let me explain that spiritual people can eat spiritual food. They can interpret spiritual words. They have a hunger dare I say for the things of God. Which gives them the ability to be in position where their heart of discernment is accurate based on spiritual maturity. But he says in chapter number three, I couldn't talk to none of y'all like that. I had to talk to y'all like you were spiritual kids because of the fact you were carnal. Carnal folks having strife. Carnal folks having division. Carnal folks dealing or talking about things of vanity. And this is one of the issues and the problem that we're having in the body of Christ. We got too many vain churches. The church is not set up for vanity. About you and your ministry. About you and the latest trends. You and the latest fashions of folks. 
And so therefore you have a group of pastors and ministers that are talking carnally to carnal people and nobody's growing up. And therefore that's the reason why the spiritual discernment within the body is getting lesser and lesser and lesser because the only way you grow up mature in this thing called the body of Christ is by developing in the word of God. This is the reason why once again I gotta give, give you all these scriptures. <laughs> So that we can grow up so that as the spirit of God on the inside of you begins to tell you that's not where I need you to go. You will properly be able to hear it. Dare I say you will be able to perceive the voice of the Lord telling you don't go this way. You could but that's not for you. We're going to get more into this as <clears throat> on the midweek. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> We'll get more into this on the midweek as we begin talking more and more specifically in this area of discernment. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you love us enough to show us. You want us to grow up because you want to talk to us <laughs> in more mature ways. And Lord, as we begin to understand this, God, we will yield ourselves to the discipline of growth. That will not yield to carnality or things and the nature of the flesh, but will be living and guided by the Spirit of God so that we can be better, so that we can hear better, and that we can do better within life. Lord, as we begin this year, there are 52 Sundays out of a year. God, we plan to be at them. Not doing our own thing for 45 of them. Lord, we, uh, we make this dedication to attend to your word this year. And as we do so, we thank you for accurate hearing. God, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. Lord, put them in the right place at the right time. Give them a discerning heart so that they can, they can hear your voice concerning your directives and your directions. And yea, God, even the places and the things that you've already shown, God, give us a heart to persevere and see manifestation of what you said. We thank you for this year, 2024. And Lord, we do expect more blessing. We do expect more direction. We do expect the best. And we give you praise and we give you glory for it. It's in Jesus' name. Everyone in agreement did say amen. All right. Well, like I said, we'll pick up <clears throat> some more here on Wednesday night. Amen. Wednesday night. Wednesday. Praise the Lord. Well, it's giving time. Hallelujah. This is the first Sunday of the year. It's a great time to sow. Amen. Thank God for him giving us the ability to sow. Amen. Scripture tells us over in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse number 6, he says... But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he that soweth bountifully shall also uh, shall reap bounds also bountifully. 
He says, verse number seven, every man according as he is purposed in his own heart or in his heart, let him give, not grudgingly nor out of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. So he says, all right, sow or the way you sow is the way you're going to harvest. And he says, all right, just in case you're not sure of it, let's look at the motivation. He says, don't give grudgingly or out of necessity. He says, I want you to have a hard motivation in where you're giving is concerned. And he says, dare I say for the one that sows bountifully and the one that does it from a cheerful heart, verse number eight, he says, and God is able. So when I give and I don't just give for giving sake, but I give right from a right heart perspective. And I give according as the Spirit of God is leading me to give, he says, God is able. I implore the ability of God within my life to do what? Make all grace abound towards me or abound towards you. So that ye having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Three ways you can give to the training center. First way is by way of our online giving, which is at www.thetrainingcenter-church.org. Second way is by way of our cash app, dollar sign, one TTC. And you can also give by way of our mail, which is at 1314 West 2nd Avenue, Gastonia, North Carolina, 28052. When you're giving at 1314 West 2nd Avenue, it is Suite A or Suite B. Suite A or Suite B. Currently, I believe we are the only ones that have a mailbox here. But we thank God for those that are being sold uh, by way of our mail. Always are received by this ministry. And we thank God for your response to giving into this ministry. Of course, you can sow live and in the house. Always are received again by this ministry. And you are, in fact, helping to make it possible. Thank God for all of the sowers that sold into this ministry. The tithers and the ones that gave offerings and those that gave special seeds and sold into the training center. You are helping to, in fact make it happen here at the training center thank god for your obedience amen to our members and to our partners as well amen congregation let us self ourselves in agreement with those that are sowing and those that in fact have already sown father we thank you that you are the one to give seed to the sower we thank you lord because we sow bountifully we thank you that we believe that we receive a, a bountiful harvest we thank you, Lord, that our heart is not a heart that is grudging or giving out of necessity. But, Lord, where our heart is to give cheerfully. So we thank you that your ability, uh, your grace is supplied within our life. We thank you, Lord, because we are tithers and givers, that the windows of heaven are open up over our lives. And that your pouring is out blessing in which there's not room enough to receive. We thank you, Lord, because we are givers and tithers, that you have rebuked the devourer for our sake. So we speak to our seed and say, seed, go and grow and produce the harvest in Jesus' name. Everyone in agreement did say, amen. Let me say this once more and once again. This Wednesday, we will begin our midweeks uh, Bible studies back on Wednesdays. It was a couple years ago, believe it or not, amen, that we used to have Wednesday nights. At this point in this ministry, we've done Tuesday nights, we've done Wednesday nights, we've done Thursday nights. Well, we are returning back to a midweek Wednesday um, Bible study, and that is in preparation for uh, some of the things that we will be doing this year on Saturday. So in order to kind of give some space between everything, amen, we're going to have our Bible studies on Wednesday nights beginning this week, amen.
and we will tell you about some of the other things that we're planning as I indicated earlier in regards to our marriage ministry and our singles ministry uh, those dates and times and everything will be coming up here soon as we move forward in what God has called us to do which is training and developing his people amen uh also, once again, on this Friday, we have corporate prayer at 7 o'clock between 7 and 8 o'clock. And we additionally are asking all of our members and partners to join us in the Daniel Fast every Friday for the month of January. Every Friday for the month of January. Some have said maybe sun up to sunset. As for me, I'm doing all day long. But, you know, we're asking you on Fridays to join us in the Daniel Fast. What does that also mean? Don't just eat lettuce, but spend that time also praying, communing with the Lord, getting into the word. One of the places you need to be getting into as well is the book of Proverbs, 31 days, 31 chapters. Amen. May God bless you abundantly this week. May your hearing be with more clarity, more accuracy. And may the favor of God rest on you on this week. Amen. God bless you. Hello, I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. Thank you for joining us today. We are the Training Center Church located here in Gastonia, North Carolina at 1314 West 2nd Avenue, Suite B. If you're joining us and this is your first time, we'd like to take this time to say thank you. If you're new to our area or if you're looking for a church home, we currently have our services on Thursday evening at 6.45 and 7 p.m. for Bible study and Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. We'd like to invite you and your family and even a friend to join us live here in person where we have worship every Sunday. Thank you for joining us. Give thanks and be blessed. I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. On behalf of our pastor, Pastor A.C. Smith, we love you and thank you so very much.